Well, good evening, guys. I'm glad you guys are here. This new semester, this is really random. There's like six people over here and 60 people over here, but that is okay. Um, I'm pumped to be back with you guys. I am like just amped about what the Lord's going to do this semester, how he's going to change our lives, how he's going to change my life, how he's going to change your life. I'm just excited. Like We're not going to be the same at the end of the semester if we'll let God um, work in our lives. And so, just wanted to start off uh, giving a quick shout out to a couple of my friends in the room, uh, Brandon Perdue, uh, Carly LaPole, Abby Mason, and sadly, Elias Garden is not here. He has COVID. But um, I wanted to say thank you guys um, to, these, to these four guys and girls. Um, last week, I was like, okay, Lord, like, what do you want to speak tonight? Uh, I was like, I just want to ask some of my friends what, like, we're, what we're talking about tonight. What do you guys think? And so want to say thank you to you guys. The Lord really used that to minister to me, and I really think that um, what the Lord has for us tonight, like our friends, we do this together, right? And so what they said helped me to hear from the Lord, and so thank you guys. Just wanted to say that. It was pretty cool. Um, so how many of you guys like history? Okay. How many of you like history, but like you're not like a history major. You like like National Treasure or like Indiana Jones. Okay. Yeah. Like like the fun, you know, history, right? Um, so I want to give you a little bit of Christian history. Um, this is a Christian group. Um, and so there was this group of men um, in the very, very earliest days of Christianity, like when Jesus was walking around, like earliest days of Christianity, right? And these men... And they were like, they were considered like the holiest dudes, right? They were, they were right at the beginning of Christianity. And these guys were descended um, from some pretty, uh, like, uh, B.A., I don't know if I can say that. Uh, but they were, they were, they were descended, f descended from some pretty bad dudes. These guys, like, they were freedom fighters who, um, there was like a tyrannical government that was trying to, like, wipe out their religion. And they said, uh-uh, we're not doing that. Their leader, his nickname was the Hammerer because he would, like, crush these armies that were, like, five or six times bigger than him between, like, he would, like, pincer maneuvers. Like, these guys, their, their, their ancestors were pretty boss, right? And so they not only fought back against this government, they actually, like, succeeded in protecting their faith. And so these guys now, in the earliest days of Christianity, they have this, like, rich heritage of, like, no, like, our faith is worth defending, right? Um, and so these men, man, th these guys were devoted men, right? They, they um, from the earliest time, man, these guys, like, they knew their Bible, right? Their Bible was not the same Bible we have. It was just the Old Testament, same as Jesus. His Bible was the Old Testament, right? But, man, these guys knew their Bible. They knew it left, right, and center, right? Like, I'm convinced that one of these guys knew the Bible better than all of us combined. Like, like they memorized the Bible. They knew every verse. They knew they could quote it. They could interpret it, right? These guys knew their Bible. These, these men were also men who were devoted to prayer, right? Like, these guys prayed all the time. They prayed when they woke up. They prayed when they went to sleep. They prayed when they ate. They prayed when they went to the bathroom. They prayed, like, with their friends. They prayed alone. Like, these guys prayed all the time. And these men were men, like, we we're talking about, you know, giving offering. Like, these guys, they gave a lot. They didn't just give their money. They didn't just give sacrifices. Like, they gave spices. They gave, you know, their clothes. They gave their time. These guys were giving anything material that they felt was an act of devotion. 
in the earliest days of Christianity, these men, like they sought to give their entire lives to God. Their jobs were to serve God. Their time was given to God. Their resources, their energy, and even their relationships were given to God. And many a people in those earliest days of Christianity saw these men as the most devoted, most godly, and most righteous men of their time. But would you believe me if I told you that these men were not, in fact, devoted to God, but were actually devoted to themselves? And would you believe me if these very men were said by Jesus to be anything but devoted, that they were, they were only serving themselves, they weren't serving God? You kinda, some of y'all are like, what? Uh, the men I'm talking about are a group of people called the Pharisees, right? These men were religious organization that was at the heart of Judaism. They, like, their job was literally just to be religious. Like, they, they didn't go and make money any other way. They, they were religious people by trade. They were the quintessential, like, holy man of their day. Everyone looked at them. If they, they were the people, like, if they walked in the room, everyone would be like, they're the holiest person I, I know, right? Because of how they look, because of what they do. But they were utterly lacking in anything resembling true devotion to God. Regardless of everything they did, all the outward things, Jesus says they were not actually devoted to God. They were only serving themselves. Now, if the Pharisees are like, this distant group, and you're like, okay, like, yeah, I mean, that was 2,000 years ago. We don't see people walking around, like, you know, with tassels on their heads and all this stuff. Just think about, like, think about the most godly person that you know, like your, your spiritual hero, like the wisest person you know. Maybe it's your pastor. Maybe it's your small group leader. Maybe it's some, a friend that you have, and they're the person, like, man, I go to them when I have questions about the Bible. I go to them when I'm struggling with what I'm feeling. I go to them, like, like they are wise. They know God. And just imagine if tomorrow you found out that this person was like, actually, yeah, none of that was real. I, I, I actually don't really love God. Right? Like, that's what it was like. These, like, think of that person. I'm not saying the person that you'd think of, of. Like, please don't say that. I'm not saying, like, oh, like, Kim is like, Brooklyn's my favorite, and she's fake. Like, not what I'm saying, okay? Um, but that's, like, that's what it's like. Like, think of the most holy person you know, the most devoted person you know, and then you come to find out that not, that's not real. Like, that's what it was like for these guys. They looked so real. Their devotion looked so real, and yet it wasn't. And so, you know, what, what do we do? Like, I think, I think um, one of the struggles of not just living, I, I, a lot of times I'm like, oh, man, our generation is, like, so hard. I'm like, nah. Like, you look at history, it's all the same. Like, the struggles of humanity are the same throughout all generations. And so one of the things that I think that, that humanity struggles with the most is that we measure success and we measure all these things based on what we see right? We, and, and especially when it comes to devotion, it's not just what we see, it's like what, what we think people want us to see, and that's what we measure devotion on. Okay, well, they read their Bible this much, and they pray this much, so they must be devoted. But the reality of being devoted to God, and, and the whole kind of point of what we're talking about tonight is this. Devotion to God is not measured by what we do but by who we love. 
devotion to God is not measured by what we do, but by who we love. The Pharisees, they loved themselves. Their devotion wasn't to Jesus. It wasn't to, to God. It was to themselves. And so tonight, we're diving into this really kind of foundational idea of what it means to be an authentic, mature, full of life, vibrant Christian. And it's this idea of daily devotion to Jesus. If you're wondering why we had like four different people share what Jesus is doing in their life, it's because this is what we're talking about tonight, this daily devotion to Jesus, this overflow from spending time with Jesus and sharing. So thank you guys who shared. That is like what we want to go on. And so many of you guys might have heard of this term before. Maybe it's the first time, like the devotional time, like what is, you know, I don't know that term. Um, But daily devotion to Jesus is simply this, the foundational core reality of being a follower of Christ, and it, more than anything else, is a measure and mark of what, what it means to be a real Christian, right? Not, not the acts of devotion, but daily devotion, devo- being devoted to God. And so, that's kind of the big question of the evening. What, what is daily devotion to Jesus, right? The Pharisees, they were outwardly holy men. They did all these things that seemingly make a person devoted, and yet they weren't devoted to God, So if that's the case for them, like, what the heck is that supposed to mean for you and me, right? Like, they probably knew their Bible better than we might ever. They probably prayed more than you do right now. They gave more than any of us do right now. So what are we supposed to do? It's a difficult question, right? If these things aren't daily devotion to Jesus, then what is real devotion? Well, I'm really grateful. The Bible is an incredible book. Um, I... Sometimes I think it's easy to be like, oh man, like Christians are so dumb, they can't think of their own thoughts for themselves. But like, I look at that question, I'm like, I don't know how to answer that. Like, I am dumb, and I'm okay with that. Like, <laughs> how do you answer that without looking at, you know, God, God's like, hey, look, I will provide answers for you. And so there's a couple verses, they'll be on the screen, and this is what I think God says true devotion is. So 1 Corinthians 10:3, he says, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Colossians three seventeen and 23 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks through him to God the Father. Whatever you do, do it heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. And then Romans fourteen seven through 8, For no one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord, or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, We are the Lord's. What I see from these verses, what I believe God is revealing about himself through his word is this. that Again, what we just said before. Devotion is not about what you do, but it's about who you love. Now, yes, these verses, you look at them, they say do, they say do, do, do. But it's actually funny, if you look at all the things, it doesn't actually tell you anything that you're supposed to do because the verses aren't actually saying that. The point of the verses... These passages are saying, look, it's not about what you do. It's about who you love. Jesus is, uh, these verses, these passages aren't saying, well, this is what you need to do to be devoted. It's saying whatever you do, it needs to be for Jesus. And so devotion, according to God, again, not what you do, but who you love. One of my heroes, um, I want to say he's a Bible teacher, but he's dead but he's still a Bible teacher to me. His name is Charles Finney. 
Um, he calls what we're talking about tonight the difference between devotions and devotion. Devotions or devotion. And I know that's like a single letter difference. A single S is dropped off, right? But can I tell you guys, I think that your eternity and mine are wrapped up in that simple letter being dropped. Devotions and devotion are not the same thing. The Pharisees, they had devotions with the S, right? They had all these things they did. But a real Christian, a true follower of Jesus, is, has devotion. So let's unpack that real quick. Because if we're talking about this being important, like if daily devotion to Jesus is foundational to what it means to be a follower of Jesus, then like we, we have to understand Right? Things like reading your Bible and praying and worshiping and, and, and giving and going on mission trips and all these different things, like, if they're a part of devotion, but they're not, like, we have to figure this out, right? So where is that? We don't want to be like the Pharisees, but we want to be men and women truly devoted to God. And so, if you've been a Christian for, like, more than a couple months, I'm sure you've probably heard, like, what, like we said, devotional time. Maybe you call it something else. I had some funny ones. So some people say like Jesus time, J time, um, Devo time, Devo life, my quiet time, my morning worship. Like there's all these different kind of, you know, it's fine. Whatever you say, there's no one right or wrong thing, right? Um, But this idea of like, man, I am carving out time, intentional time to be with Jesus, whether that's reading my Bible, whether that's praying, whether that's listening to worship music while I go to class, right? All these different things. And so um, I think I've kind of hit on it. Um, I was going to ask you guys, but I realized I just I jumped ahead, so sorry. I'm not going to ask you a question. Um, I think the three main things that I see when people say, like, okay, what does your Devo life look like? What does your devotional time look like? With the 20 minutes, the hour, however long you spe- set aside to be with Jesus in a day, what, what is that composed of? And most people say these three things, reading the Bible, praying, and listening to slash singing worship music, right? Now, there's other things. Obviously, devotion is bigger than those three. So I'm going to say those three a lot, but I don't, that's not like, that doesn't, you know, cover all of devotion. So even in these three things, though, like, what, what is that supposed to look like, right? Like, what, what is reading your Bible and prayer and, and worship supposed to look like, right? Like, is reading a verse a day on the Bible app, like, is that true devotion, to God, because there are 31,102 verses in the Bible, so if you read one verse a day, it will take you 85 years to read the Bible, right? Some of those verses are really, really depressing out of context. Um, I don't, I, I, there's a reason why they're never the verse of the day. It says Judas hung himself. It's like, oh, uh, that's a great verse of the day, right? Like, is reading, is reading one verse a day, is that devotion to God? Or is reading one chapter of the Bible a day devotion to God? That's one big step up from a verse, but there's still 1,189 chapters in the Bible, so it'll take you over three years to read the Bible at that rate. Again, there's some really depressing chapters in the Bible that uh, they're hard to be devotional by themselves, right? But is that a sign of real devotion? Or am I supposed to read the Bible once through every year or what if you're like, well, I've never read all of the Bible. Like, does that mean I'm not devoted to God? Like, do I have to, do I have to read all the Bible? What do I do there, right? Or what about prayer? What is prayer supposed to look like in relation to daily devotion to Jesus? 
Is praying before I eat and thanking God for my food devotion to Jesus? Am I supposed to pray for five minutes, for 20 minutes, for an hour, every waking moment of every day? I mean, Paul has this really trippy verse where he says, pray without ceasing. Like, am I supposed to pray while I sleep? Like, I don't know what that means, right? I, I mean, some of us, and I'm, I'm guilty of this, man, I have, to, I have to, like, do something while I pray because if I just sit there, it's like two minutes in, I'm like, man, I really need to do this. I want to play this game later. And I'm like, oh, I'm praying, right? Like, but if, if we get distracted like that, like, does that mean we're not devoted to God or are we devoted because we're trying, like, right? Think about worship music, right? Like, some people, like, they default to worship music, right? You're, like, walking to class, and you're, like, man, like, if you could just see my Spotify rewrapped or wrapped or whatever it's called, like, and you see all the Bethel and the Hillsong and the Elevation, like, you would know that I'm devoted. I got 600 hours of, you know, whatever. I don't know. I don't know what it's a lot on Spotify wrapped. Apparently, mine wasn't that, that good. Um, but, right, like, does soaking yourself in worship music Listening to it all the time, singing it to it all the time, does that make you devoted to God? All of these things we're talking about, reading your Bible, praying, worshiping, giving, mission trips, all these other things that you can do, are they daily devotion to Jesus, or are we just following in the footsteps of men like the Pharisees, right? This is a question we have to answer, because is there, is there anything different between true devotion to God with all these things that we do in a default life? And so the answer is yes and no. I know those answers are weird. Yes, yes, there is a difference between true devotion to God and all the different things we just listed, right? That difference is in the fact that, man, there, like, there are atheist critics who know the Bible better than any one of us in this room, and they are not devoted to God. They, they could tear you apart with their knowledge of the Bible. Now, they're criticizing, right? But they know the Bible. They, they, they know it more. But they're not devoted to God, right? So yes, it is possible to have all these things and it not be devotion to God. And yet at the same time, no, there does not have to be a difference between doing all these things and still being devoted to God. And so here's what I mean by this. Um, one of my favorite ideas in the Bible, there's kind of like, I feel like the longer you walk with God, like, there's just kind of, like, these couple of things you just latch onto that are, like, I wouldn't say obscure, but, like, I really love the idea of, like, the, the fellowship of Christ's suffering is, like, one of these things that I'd never heard of. But this one that I really like, it's called um, the pleasing aroma to God, right? There's this, this idea that the Bible consistently talks about there being a pleasing aroma to God. And so it kind of sounds weird. I love it. It's my fa- one of my favorite things. And so... Um, kind of where this comes from, the, the really kind of the, the bulk of it starts in the book of Leviticus. Um, it is a book that's just full of laws. And so God, multiple times, at least 16 times, he's talking about like these sacrifices, these, these burnt offerings, he's talking about these, temp, uh, these uh, not temples, what's it called, festivals. He's talking about prayer. And he says in all these different things, he says, if done with a pure heart and in devotion to me, it rises to me like a pleasing aroma, right? And it's that, like, you walk into your favorite restaurant and that, like, oh, man, that smells good, right? Like, or, like, Charles makes some pretty sick barbecue and you walk into his backyard and you're like, oh, man, like, that pleasing aroma, right? And God, what he's saying is he's like, look, 
an act of real devotion from a heart that loves me comes to me like that. It's pleasing. It's that like deep sigh of just like, man, this is good. And so it's so cool because God takes genuine pleasure in our devotion, right? And all these different things in Leviticus, they're burning animals, they're, you know, they're doing these seven-day like festivals where they live in a tent, they're praying, and God says this is pleasing. But then we contrast this with a verse in Isaiah. This is Isaiah 1, 11 through 15. And so it's pretty, pretty crazy. You can take it off for one sec. Um, so Israel, at this point, God's people, they are like, they're, they're going off the deep end, right? And the first like 10 verses is God pretty much just like, look, the horses and the goats know how to obey me better than you. Like animals are doing better than you guys. You guys, like Sodom and Gomorrah, you never heard, like, they, they, they were bad, but, like, you guys are doing worse than them. And they're dead. Like, they got wiped off the face of the earth, and you're doing worse than them. And then he says this. The multitudes of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams, of the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs of goats. When you come to a beer before me, who has asked this of you? This trampling of my courts. Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. Your new moon sacrifice, your new moon Sabbaths and convocations, I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feast and your appointed festivals, I hate with all of my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Man, your incense is detestable to me. The aroma that is coming before me is disgusting. And what's crazy is that all of the things that God says in Leviticus are the very same things they're doing here. They're offering bulls, they're offering rams, they're offering sacrifices, they're having these festivals, they're praying. And God now, a few hundred years later, says, what you're doing is the exact same thing they were doing then, but to them, from, from them, it was pleasing. And from you, it smells like rotting sewage. And it's crazy. We could, we could take the very same things that we do, Bible reading and prayer and worship, and we could fill it in, and God could say, man, all the stuff you do, you give an hour and a half a day, and it comes up to me stinking like rotting sewage. And it's crazy because Honestly, you and I could read the exact same five Bible, you know, chapters. We could listen to the same three songs, and we could both spend 30 minutes praying, and one of us could have a pleasing aroma to God, and the other could have something vile. And that's crazy because, again, devotion does not come down to what you do. It's about who you love. And so there's this reality where we could all do the exact same thing and it'd be a totally different thing. Some of us would be truly devoted to God and others, man, we'd be devoted to ourselves. We'd be devoted to what people would think of us. We'd be devoted to the praise of men or just getting out of hell because we don't actually care about pleasing God. We just care about getting ourselves out. And it's pretty crazy, man, like, and I'm not trying to, like, be super heavy and be like, ugh, but, like, this is why I say, like, the difference between devotion and devotions 
There's like eternity hangs in the balance, man. We can fool ourselves and be like, dude, look, I do all this stuff. I'm good. And that's really coming up to God like just putrid, right? Or, man, we could be given the best of what we have, and it may not seem as good as someone else's, but man, God is pleased. He's, he's just pleased, right, with what he smells. And so, guys, we, we got like, to remember this. True devotion to God naturally works itself out or, or works itself out into acts of true devotion. And so um, I want to say, like, kind of clarify what I mean by this. So there is a difference between, like, devotion and acts of devotion, right? And so, like, our acts of devotion is like what we've been talking about, the Bible reading, the prayer, the worship, all these different things. Um, we, we, they're acts of devotion. But, but, again, devotion at the end of the day is who do you love? All these things can be done, but who do you love? Um, you know, I think it's funny. We can say to ourselves, like, man, like, you know, if I'm devoted to God, like, sure, I'll do these things, right? Or like, uh, sorry, flip that. A lot of times we can say to ourselves, man, I do all these things. That must mean I'm devoted to God. And, and that's not always true. A lot of times it is. But we need to make sure and flip it. Man, if I'm devoted to God, why wouldn't I do these things? Why wouldn't? I think about it like a romantic relationship. I am devoted to my wife, Heather. She's not here. She's at home. But I am devoted to her because she has the affection of my heart. And I have given myself to her. And it's only natural that I want to spend time with her. And it's only natural that I miss her when I'm not with her. And it's only natural that I talk to her and laugh with her and share my life with her. And I love her, right? But it would be absolute crazy talk if I told you that I love my wife, Heather, and that I am devoted to her. If instead we didn't live in the same house, we never really talked to each other, if I didn't even have her phone number, like if I told you that I was devoted to her and then that was the case in my life, you'd be like, dude, you're nuts, man. Like it doesn't matter if I have this ring on my finger. I'm not devoted to her if that's the case. I think about, man, like, how many of us might say we're devoted to God when all along we don't spend time with him, we don't talk to him, we don't even metaphorically have his number? Acts of devotion like prayer and Bible reading and worship do not prove that you're devoted to God, but a complete lack of any acts of devotion proves that you're not. Hear that rightly. Acts of devotion, all the stuff you can do for God does not prove that you are devoted. But if there's nothing in your life, it proves you're not. That's the same as that. If I don't spend time with my wife, I am not devoted to her. Right. That's some pretty heavy stuff. But God cares. I mean, this is not because God is like a demanding, like, you must be with me. Like, he wants to be with us. But I don't know, like, I mean... If you're married or if you're in a relationship, like, I, I, don't, I don't want to be with someone who I know doesn't want to be with me. I don't want to, to be in a relationship where someone clearly is like, I'd rather be with someone else. And that's how God feels, right? More than any of us could ever feel. Devotion to Jesus is, again, not about what you do, but about who you love. It's never about the act, but always about the person we're devoted to. So, as we kind of wrap things up, I'm reminded of a verse, I actually just read it this morning, 
Um, it's kind of funny. It was I wrote it down the other day, and then I realized, oh, I just read this. But it's First Samuel fifteen, twenty-two, and God. This is Samuel. Sorry, yes, yeah, Samuel, saying to Saul. He's kind of speaking on behalf of God. He says, "Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better." than to sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. And now clearly, look at this verse, like, okay, like, you know, sacrificing, like, these, these bulls, like, you're obeying God. He wants you to, right? But what I think the, the point of this passage is saying is that we aren't just to give our sacrifices of reading the, reading the Bible or praying or worshiping or going on strips or giving. We're not just to give those sacrifices just to kind of, like, get past it. But God wants that obedience. He wants that, I want to do this because I love you. And I think that's what the point of this verse is saying. God's saying, I don't delight in you just giving me what I'm asking you. I want you to do it because you want to. I want you to do it because you love me. And so I think one of, the, one of the, my friends, actually two of my friends, y'all said the same thing. So I thought it was really cool. Um, and, I, and I think you guys are right on about this. And, and it's something that has been so freeing for me when thinking about a daily devotion to Jesus. And it's this reality of like, man, we do no good to ourselves to compare ourselves to someone else. And we do no good to ourselves to think this has to look the exact same every single day. Think about, man, it's a relationship. I have a relationship with Heather. Every single day doesn't look the same. Every single day looks vastly different. But man, do we love each other. And so in all honesty, it would be silly for some of you guys in this room to like, maybe you've been walking with God for like a year or less, and, and it would be silly to look at maybe Charles or Christopher or myself, who've been walking with God for over 10 years, and say, man, I suck because my daily devotion to Jesus doesn't look like theirs. Like, that's just silly. That's like if I decided I wanted to play basketball for the next year, and then at the end of the year, I'm like, God, I suck because I'm not as good as LeBron. Like, I'm not saying we're LeBron, but like, that's the same idea. Like, it is silly to look at someone and say, man, they've got nine years on me. Why aren't I like them? Don't do that, right? All that's going to do is give you two, one of two forms of pride, right, when you compare yourself to someone. You're either going to get arrogant because you're like, man, I'm like, I spend way more time than Timmy with, with like, reading the Bible. Like, man, I look, look how good I am, right? Or it's like the negative pride of, like, man, I suck. I'm never going to know God like Timmy knows God, right? Like, they're both prideful. They're both just looking at yourself. They're not concerned about who God is. And then thinking about, man, like you guys are college students. I remember what it was like. I'm not that old, but I still remember what it was like to be a college student. And like, man, I had 8 a.m. classes Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I had like 11 o'clock classes on Thursday. And so my, my daily devotion to Jesus looked very different Monday, Wednesday, Friday than it did Tuesday, Thursday, Right? But I struggled. I, I, like, I like things being set a certain way. So it was hard for me to, to come to terms with, man, daily devotion to Jesus is going to look different Monday, Wednesday, Friday than it is going to look on Tuesday, Thursday, than it's going to look on Saturday, Sunday, right? And if that means that I prayed while I walked to class on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, instead of I prayed on my knees, like on Tuesday, Thursday, that's okay, right? I think we can get so caught up in ourselves and be like, man, I just... You beat yourselves up, right? But man, Jesus is concerned about, I mean, that's what daily devotion is. It's a relationship with the living God, right? And so there's days you wake up and you're like, God, I'm, I'm grumpy. 
Lord, help me. I'm going to spend time with you after my class, you know, like not because I don't like you, not because I don't think you can help me, but like I want to give you the best of me. So I'm going I'm to go to class. I'm going to get through it, and then I'm going to take a shower, and I'm going to spend some time with you, right? I think that's just huge. That was so freeing for me. I know that's been freeing for a lot of you guys. And so I just think also um, it's one thing to, to say like, oh, I don't need God. Like, or I, I love God, so I don't need to read my Bible, and I don't need to pray. Like, God and I have this, this thing. Like, that's just not true, guys. It's just not true. Like, acts of devotion will follow real devotion. If we love God, it will just be a natural overflow. I think, yeah, just your daily devotion doesn't have to look the same. Remember what 1 Corinthians says, whether then you eat or drink, whatever you do, do for the glory of God. So I just want to finish by asking this, this final question. Why is anyone worthy of your devotion? Why is anyone worthy of your devotion? Why is a boyfriend or a girlfriend, a husband or a wife, a boss, a leader, a friend, or a hero worthy of your devotion? What makes someone worthy of devotion, right? Let me tell you what I think someone makes someone worthy to me, right? So I think about a romantic relationship. I'd say that the unselfish love Heather shows to me is worthy of my devotion to her. I'd say that her genuine enjoyment of just being with me and enjoying me and not having to have an agenda is worthy of my devotion to her. And I'd say that her deep care and her concern for my life and her empathy and, and being there with me when it's good and when it's bad is worthy of my devotion. Thinking about a boss or a leader, Charles, I'd say that his care and concern for my future not only as a boss, but as a friend, makes him worthy of my devotion to him as a leader. I'd say the vision he has for my life, for all of y'all's lives, for this campus lives, he has vision for y'all's life. I'd say that makes him worthy of devotion as my leader. And I'd say the fun and adventure he leads us on, I mean, like, I, f I feel like we're like, I mean, it's just, it's just so much fun going where Charles is going. And that makes him worthy of my devotion as a leader. I think about friends, like I think about Jeff, for instance, Jeff's one of my best friends. I'd say the way he pushes me to know and love Jesus more is worthy of my devotion to him as a friend. I'd say the freedom he allows me to have to be real and honest and vulnerable, it, it makes him worthy of, of devotion as a friend. And I'd say the way he teaches me to be a better friend to all my other friends makes him worthy of my devotion. Unselfish love, genuine enjoyment, deep care for who I really am, concern for my future, vision for my life, fun and adventurous, pushing me to greater intimacy, freedom to be real, and someone who teaches me to be a better friend. These are things that I see as worthy of devo my devotion. And I think most of us would say those are things worthy of our devotion. And the most beautiful thing is that Jesus is all of those things, but infinitely more, and infinitely greater. Jesus loves you so unselfishly that he died for you when you were his enemy because of your sin. Jesus enjoys you, not for anything you can give him, but simply because you are pleasing to him. Jesus cares deeply for you, the real you, and he knows who you are and how you feel when no one else in the world does. Jesus is concerned about your future so much more than you ever could be, and he wants the best for you. Jesus has a vision for your life, direction, and is he, he is able to take you exactly where he wants you to go if you will let him.
And Jesus will lead you on the most fun, the most adventurous, and the most meaningful life you could ever imagine if you simply follow in his steps. And Jesus is always pushing us to greater intimacy with him. And because he's infinite, we're never going to run out of new things to see about him. Right? Jesus is the safest place you could ever be, and he is the place where you have the most freedom to be the real you, where all your masks and all the fakeness can drop away. And Jesus is always teaching us to be better friends, better lovers, better leaders, and better men and women because he is the greatest example of what true humanity looks like. If anyone is worthy of our total devotion, it is Jesus. If anyone is worthy of our daily devotion every single day, saying, Jesus, I will spend time with you because you are worth it, it is Jesus. And if anyone is worthy of our whole hearts and our whole affection and our very lives, it is Jesus. Daily devotion to Jesus is simply that, seeing Jesus for who he really is and then giving our lives back to him as the only natural response. Giving our time, giving our resources, giving our energy to him because he's worth it. We read our Bibles, we pray, we worship, we do all these other acts of devotion because ultimately Jesus is worthy. Amen? Amen.